on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. That makes no sense. Like, why can't you have the best of both worlds? So I said, you know, if it doesn't seem right, which it's not, then you need to say something. That's your, that's your, you know, that's your responsibility as a healthcare provider. You know what I mean? And she knew. She knows that. She's just not trying to step on anybody's toes. But I'm done with stepping on anybody's toes. It's time. We, it's just time to stop stepping. What's the, what's the, what you got? In the Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple house in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to them. Now, let's get into the rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of In The Rack Podcast. I am your host, Chad, and with me is my co-host and physical therapist, Nick. We also have another fellow physical therapist in the building today, and that is Katie. She's on the show for the second time. Repeat um, customer. Yeah, repeat customer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is episode 25, so that's another milestone, which is cool, but it's also another five episodes in which means it's another reckless, reckless in the rack in the episode rack. so every five we try to get another reckless in the rack episode in the last one we did the mess ups our mess ups yeah we did we were reckless where we were reckless. we weren't talking about other people being reckless we were reckless yeah so uh we're probably going to go along the lines of just just talking about overall recklessness i think nick might even talk about his own yeah, recklessness was a little reckless bit again. yeah he it was, was my fault yeah so We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, for all of you that are new to our Reckless in the Rack series, this is where Nick and I, and now Katie, will share some stories from our patients. We like to share these stories not only because they are reckless, but some of these stories may sound familiar. Uh, it's perfectly okay if they sound familiar because that, in fact, is the purpose of this episode. Okay, so um, if you are joining us for the first time, in this episode, we are going to be providing you a few quick stories, and then we give our two cents on the story. Um, so this one's going to be a little bit different because we're going to have Katie's story in here. And Katie, as you all know, is our pelvic health specialist in the building. So she's going to give a, a story that she had recently that uh, she wants to share with all of you. And hopefully some of you can, you know, maybe um, relate to her story and it might help you. Um, so how should we get started? Nick, you want to go first? I'll kick us off. All right. Why don't you um, kick us off? So last episode, I made a joke. It was a joke, everybody, that, yeah, we haven't messed up in a while. So we're going to go back to talking about how other people are reckless. And um, within a couple of days of that, I was reckless myself. So I'm actually going to kind of go back to the theme of episode 20 and talk about how I messed up just because it's so fresh in my in my mind. So I had um, an individual, we'll go by, you know, we do alias names here. So this one will be Smart Cuffs. Smart Cuffs are BFR, uh, BFR units. So... Smart cuffs came in with knee pain, and this pain was only occurring at the bottom of the squat. So this individual does CrossFit, and smart cuffs was, you know, only getting this pain, uh, you know, at the, the the bottom of of a catch, you know, for a, a clean or a snatch, and then front squatting things like that. So it was, you know, impacting uh, his performance to an extent, but not completely debilitating. So. You know, we looked around and, and, you know, everyone knows I'm a big foot guy. So I looked at his feet and I could have sworn there was some stuff going on at the feet. So I just attacked the feet and he came in, you know, a couple weeks in a row. So we're three visits in and still addressing the feet and still no change. Still just, you know, just 
takes him right out of the bottom of the squat. Like literally it's like, you know, a sharp twinge that just makes him have to, to bail out. So I, um, I was like, okay, I, maybe I need to hit the, you know, hit the drawing board again. So I started talking it over with Chad and we, we talked about, you know, more about his, his, you know, pelvis and hips and what's going on up there, which I had just kind of went uh, tunnel vision on it and, and just disregarded, not, not totally disregarded, but I just went all, all in on the feet. So then next, next time we, we really honed in on the, the pelvis and the hips, did a couple, um, you know, repositioning exercises and more awareness things first. And what do you know? Go figure. Um, no pain at the bottom of the squat. Was able to squat, was able to load up the squat and everything. So we addressed the pelvis a little bit. And then after getting to talking more about the hips and the pelvis, we had actually had a deeper conversation about how he in the past couple of months was um, someone had told him he has a huge butt wink and that could be a whole other podcast. So he was overcorrecting to not to try to not butt wink. So he was totally anteriorly tilting. So tipping his his pelvis forward for the listeners. And he was basically just putting a ton of tension, you know, at the on the hamstrings to start the movement. So by the time he gets to the bottom, he was trying to fight that natural butt wink. And then boom, he's getting all these muscles just yanking on his knee and he's getting that that twinge because his his body did not want to be there with all that tension. And yeah, so we talked about how he, he shouldn't just overcorrect that. Um, a butt wink is going to happen at some point. And like I said, we could talk about that on a, on a separate podcast. But moral of the story there is that, uh, um, and I don't want to steal your moral of the story. That's that's my moral of the story. No, that's, you can do that's, it. That's not the podcast. You know that's my jam. You can do yeah. it. Chad, Chad will give the, the real moral of the story. But in terms of this case, um, don't get don't get narrow, narrow vision. Don't get tunnel vision. And, you know, if you're struggling with a certain case, talk to your colleagues. Talk to people. And, um, or, and if it's really significant and you really can't figure it out, you might need to refer out to someone who will do, be able to, or, you know, might be able to look at other things that you might not be as well versed in. Yeah. And I know, I know who you're talking about and he's a, he's a very good athlete. I've actually trained with him before and he's, he's a monster. So, uh, sometimes when you're trying to see something, um, noticeable in an already good athlete sometimes yeah. it's not so noticeable right yeah. because they yeah. can overcompensate and hide some of For these sure. things so the, the um, best athletes are the best competitors oh, without a doubt yeah so i know yeah. I, I it was a good find a good find there yeah. what was it a total waste to you know be treating it at the feet no no i wouldn't say it was a total waste i would just say we um we probably because i went i overemphasized his feet because he still does have some stuff that we can address at the feet um, that is also playing a role up, up, you know, up the chain, up into the hips and the pelvis, but targeting the, um, the pelvis was giving us a better bang for our buck. So I wouldn't say it was a waste of time, but we definitely could have, you know, gotten him back to full range squatting probably a couple weeks sooner. But the fact that he had to curtail his, his, uh, workouts could have been a blessing in disguise because he started working more on single leg stuff because the whole time. It was really just the bilateral squat that was hurting. So on both legs, his single leg stuff felt totally fine, full depth, full range, everything. And he could do that, no problem. So we just shifted his focus. We didn't stop him. We didn't shut him down. We just shifted his focus to doing more unilateral single leg stuff. And, you know, it may have been helpful for him in the long run for for shifting gears a bit for for a couple weeks. Yeah. Cool. All right. Great one. That was a great one. Yeah, I was I was a little reckless. Know, I'm back. Know, I'm back. <laughs> hey, you know what? At least you learn from your recklessness. Yeah, you know, and you have to, you got to test the waters. That's all. 
Now, if I were seeing somebody like that, I would have probably not really paid much attention to those feet, and I would have been all about those hips. And so the you, you probably so, would have done much much better than myself. Well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, you know, some people are top down. Some people are bottom exactly. up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it true. just all depends on who you are. And it's true. As long as the common goal is met, it doesn't matter where That's you start. It. That's it. You know? That's it. All right, Katie, why don't you tell us your story? Because you're bringing another different element here. Something that Nick and I have no idea about. So we want to hear. Okay. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, so this was really challenging for me to narrow it down because um, I, pretty much every person that comes in for me, when we're talking about um, gynecological issues, bladder issues, those types of things, or postpartum issues, everybody has a story that I'm just like jaw dropped and don't understand how they got here and were not addressed, you know, or their their concerns were not validated and addressed prior to coming in to see me. But, um, you know, that's why I'm here. So this person was post-op about six weeks. Um, no. When she came to see me, she was closer to nine weeks, but she had her six-week post-op visit with her OBGYN, and this patient had a um, vaginal delivery, big baby, like 10-pound baby, um, and as a result, had a little bit of tearing, nothing crazy. Um, it was just, uh, it was a grade one, so just in the skin. Um, but she had concerns to her doctor that uh, she felt fullness in her, you know, in her bottom, in her vagina. Her bowel and bladder functioning was not the same. She was dribbling a little bit. She was um, having trouble going, like urinating all the way. So, you know, you go pee and then you get up and a couple minutes later, you're still feeling like you're dribbling. So we're not getting it all out when we want to go. So um, she told me this and she said that her doctor told her that um, things will return to normal and let's just see how it goes. And that was it. So she was talking to friends and her friends were saying, hey, you know, there's this thing called pelvic PT and maybe you could benefit from it. So th that's when she came to see me and I got her whole story. And sometimes it, it's really hard for me to get and just that hour with somebody because there's a lot to talk about when you're talking when when you're dealing with pelvic related issues because there's a lot of things that play a factor. So um, we we did spend the time to do that. My first question was, did the doctor do an internal exam? And yeah, you know they do that six week post op um, or postpartum check, and uh, I think they might have even done a pap or something. But um, I said so I explained what I assess when I do my internal exam and my my thoughts were going towards an organ prolapse and I explained what the pelvic organ prolapse test is like and what I do and she said no 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 you know it was like in and out real quick like there was nothing like that so she was game for an internal assessment and sure enough when we did that we had um lots of let's say uh, it was an anterior vaginal vault laxity. So she had um, her, she had a cystocele and it was a grade two cystocele. So um, I don't want to get too technical, but there's different grades, four different grades for an organ prolapse and your prolapse can happen where the, 
the anterior wall of the vagina falls back into the vagina, and that would be your bladder falling back into the vaginal wall. Um, or it could be coming from the posterior wall, and that would be a rectocele. So your um, the rectum would fall forward into the vaginal vault. And we can test for those things and kind of determine what we're dealing with and how severe it could be. And so we did that, and um, that kind of supports the idea that when she was urinating, she wasn't getting it all out. And that's because the bladder was kind of falling back into the vaginal vault. So it was, um, we were getting some retained urine in there. And that's not a good thing because then we can get UTIs um, when that happens. Um, But my, I guess my moral of the story Everyone's stealing it today. I know. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm not even going to do it anymore. Um, So it was why, why, why? I don't want to make doctors like the bad guy, but you know, we're patients are coming with valid concerns, and I just feel like if we just listen and validate their concerns, and then maybe do something like just test for it then we're going to like we're going to meet them where they need to be met and we're going to um you know potentially find what like the why of what's going on you know cuz we have you know she had all these symptoms and things that were going on and just to say it'll it'll let's see what happens you know you had a big baby and you know you're 6 weeks postpartum so let's just see what happens but I don't know. I just feel like we can um, prevent things from getting worse and and stop things before they even happen because there there can be a cascade effect of other things that can happen down there. Do you think that was more so because the the doctor or provider didn't know enough about that particular thing, or because they didn't have time? Yeah, I, you know, and it could be a combination of both. I, you know. I, I know. So when I, when I have people come in and they say, well, I'm going to see my gynecologist in a couple of weeks, you know, and it's the, our first initial evaluation and I have certain questions and I'm like, oh, I don't really know what's going on until I get in there and I do like a little, you know, we can do like a quick internal and I just need to, you know, know if you're able to squeeze and what's going on. So um, I, and, and so my response to them when they say I have like uh, an appointment in a couple of weeks is, all right, so when you've gone in the past, have they done this? And I and then I explain my exam and they say, no, it's never done that. And they've never done that. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I've never had that, but I'm only one person. And I just know what my experience is when I go to these appointments. And um, I've never had like a formal assessment by my OB or my gynecologist as to the integrity of my pelvic floor, if it's symmetrical, if it's contracted and tight and spastic, um, you know, it's, I, I don't really know what they're doing. I think it's just, um, they're assessing for organ location cause they're doing a finger in and they're pushing down from the top. So it's like assessing that, but the musculoskeletal component and checking on the muscle integrity, um, I, they, they just don't do it. So maybe they, don't incorporate it into their practice. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't know that they would do it if they were asked to do it too. Like if I went to my my gynecologist and said, "Hey, could you check the integrity of my anterior pelvic floor because I've been leaking or something like that?" And I don't know what kind of a response I would get. That's a good question. You should try it. Test it out. Go go have <laughs> Make a bunch an of appointments. Qu- yeah. yeah, have a bunch of questions <laughs> ready to go. So you just put them on the spot. Oh, that'd be, yeah. that'd be interesting. Yeah. Be interesting. I think the time is a concern, though, for a lot of, I mean, that's part of the reason we, you know, broke away from insurance companies because we weren't ha- allowed to have adequate time with our patients 
significant clients. And unfortunately, these other providers are dealing with the same thing. So, you know, they very well may have been like, oh, I wish I could do this, but I just can't. I have my schedule is so full. I need to get to the next patient. I don't have time for this. Hopefully this will resolve itself. So they're torn and it's unfortunate that it has to be that way. But, you know, that's a that's a system issue more than that, that individual oh, provider. Issue. Totally. And, sure. and I know a lot of these doctors are they have. 20, 30, 40 evals a day. Oh, There's crazy. tons of crazy. people. I mean, how can you catch everything? You can't, right? So you just go with your gut, save a monot- as much amount of time as you can, try to be efficient, and you get to the next patient and then the next patient. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's nice that we have direct access in the state. It allows people to skip that step and see you directly, and they get the full hour so that, you know, hopefully nothing can be missed, you know, yeah. like it would normally in a really, really fast situation. Not like every doctor is like that, but I mean, that's, that's the standard. Let's be honest. That's yeah. just what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad. It is too bad. I just wish more people would know that this is an option for them to, for sure. you know, so that they can be advocates for themselves. Yeah. And that's the whole purpose of this podcast, just to bring more awareness as yeah, to exactly. what your options are, because you know, you're right. They need to be more aware. How else do we do that? Right. We create awareness through a podcast, through, you know, content as much as we can, you know, spread the good word and just hopefully people, you know, get it over time. It will happen over time. It's just going to take time. You know, it's just so rewarding when you're, when you're in there with somebody and you've got this amount of time to spend with them. So you're actually able to listen to them. You're validating their concerns. And then we get to talking while we're, you know, while I'm doing my exam, you know, we're also talking and I'm continuing to learn information. And it's just so rewarding for, for me to hear that aha moment. Like almost every single one of my patients has this aha moment um, where they just get it. And like, they understand because we were able to talk and I was able to explain to them. So, because I, I really like to spend time educating them on their body because they should know what's going on and they should know why we're doing something. And I feel like that promotes um, patient like compliance with an exercise. Like if if I'm going to show you to do, you know, X, Y, and Z, like I'm going to, I want you to know why, because you're going to be more inclined to do it because you're going to understand what the potential benefit is and why we're trying to do it. So, you know, it's like, it's really awesome to see people who are just like, oh my God, like this makes so much sense. Thank you so much for explaining that to me. Like that's super rewarding. Yeah. And the ultimate goal is to get them to be able to take care of themselves. They don't want to be dependent on you to have to help them all the time. I mean, you want to get them to be educated enough so that they know how to deal with it and continue to take care of it over time, you know, when they're done with you. That's the ultimate goal for sure. Cool. That was a good story. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) All right, I'll go next. So my story is a little bit different. It's actually from a trainer that I met out in Michigan, and this was a few months ago. I was at the Gray Institute out there, and um, she is not only a trainer, she's also a nurse in an ED department. So she's got some pretty good background in medical as well as like health and wellness. So she hit me up because she's a uh, an avid listener of the podcast. So go you. You know who you are. You know who you are. Uh, So if you're listening to this, which I hope you are, then you'll know that this was for you because she listens to this all the time. But her story is actually quite interesting as well. And it fits really, really well with Reckless in the Rack series. So she hit me up not too long ago. And she said she had a 65-year-old patient. It was a female. Um, She was somewhat sedentary. Uh, She started training with her um, like a month or two previously. Um, 
so she wanted to like feel healthier, have this like, you know, new like training routine. And she ended up falling during a yoga class that she was taking, not with her. It was another class that she was taking in addition to her training. Um, and then she ended up seeing the doctor. The doctor diagnosed her with a, uh, medial meniscus, uh, tear, which they ended up doing a repair on. So if anybody knows there is a difference between like a meniscectomy where they're like, you know, just taking some of that meniscus out and then the repair where they're actually trying to, you know, fix what's already there. So it's a different, it's a different surgery altogether. Um, the major difference is that with the repair, you have to be a little bit careful with like weight bearing precautions for the first like couple weeks or so, you know, and then they usually start like partial weight bearing and then you get them to full weight bearing when they can tolerate it all depending on the surgeon's protocol there's so many different ones out there but so the the how the story went here is she ended up having that surgery and this was 10 days ago prior to her sending me this email and um her surgeon said yep i just want you on bed rest and she said bed rest all the time so you can't get out of bed no movement no movement whatsoever so you know her having this nursing background was like mm, it doesn't really sound right I think I'm going to hit up Chad on this one. Just make sure because she knows that we deal with a lot of this stuff and she likes our podcast. She knows that like I'll tell her like it is. So um, her client ended up seeing the her PA uh, the other day and her PA said, yep, looking great. I uh, still want you no weight bearing. This is like two weeks after she had the surgery. Still no weight bearing. Oh, and remain stationary, by the way. What? So, yep, yep. So, um, and, and I don't want you to start PT for another two weeks. So she's going to be on bed rest, uh, not non, uh, stationary. She's not moving. She's non weight bearing and she doesn't see the PT for a solid four weeks until after the surgery. So wait a minute, what about going potty? Am I the only one who's wondering? Like, no, can, like we, can we go, I think, can we get up and go potty? I, yeah. I, I don't, I'm the severity of it. I think was pretty much like, I don't want you moving unless you have to, you know what I mean? So like, it's like, she couldn't do any like movements with her leg in bed. She even. was not instructed to do any exercise, did not have any like home health. She didn't like want the trainer, her working with her because the doctor said, you know, bed rest stationary only. Um, so when patients hear this stuff from from their doctors, they take it seriously. They're yeah. like, okay. This, this is where advocacy comes into play. If totally. you have a provider, it could be doctor, anybody, it could be anybody. If they tell you stationary, there's very few instances, if any, where you should actually be stationary. And the ones that are, those instances are emergent. They should be taken care of right away in the ER or whatever. So if someone's telling you to be stationary for a period of time, you need to ask questions. And a lot of them. Yep. Yeah. So she goes on to say that, you know, I'm really just worried because, you know, as with my nursing background, I'm worried that she's going to get a DVT. And don't you know, like a couple of days later, she let me know that they were starting to work her up for a DVT. No shit. She has probably a a, a high, you know, risk for a DVT. Yeah, she's been sure. non, you know, weight bearing and she hasn't moved for three to four weeks now. I mean, and you want to explain what a DVT is for a, like, a, you know, the average So it's person. a blood clot that typically starts in your lower leg and then it'll work itself up. Um, so... If she does move now, now it's even worse because if it travels and it makes its way to the heart, which it could, um, then it could be deadly. Could the be deadly. lungs or... Yeah. Lungs, yep, yeah. totally. And now um, she's going to have to be on blood thinners for numerous weeks, if not months, and that's yep. probably going to impact PT once yep. they're permitted to do yep. PT. <laughs> so I, my response to her was, um, this is absurd. And you need to get her up and you need to move her. And, and you know, if she's non-weight bearing on that side, then you can respect that. 
but you can do upper body. You can have her move in bed. You can have her do, you can do crutch training with her. I mean, you know how to do all that. So like get her up and move her. Um, the worst thing that she can do is be in bed. That's only going to prolong her progress. So she ended up <laughs> reaching back out to me a couple days later. And she's like, you know what? We started doing some upper body movements. I got her up out of bed. She goes, she texted me the next day um, and told me that uh, she was actually feeling better now that she was moving. Shocking. And she also sent her uh, our number seven podcast, which episode seven was all about our PT misconceptions, which we talk about movement quite a bit there and the myth between, you know, not moving after injury. And I hope that helped her. So, and it, you know, for, for listeners out there who might be considering, you know, an orthopedic surgery like that, think about it from the surgeon's perspective that what they do inside your knee, shoulder, whatever is their, you know, product, right? It's their totally. product. They're going to do whatever they got to do to protect their product. So they're going to err on the side of significant caution. So you need to ask more questions when you're in those situations, because you know, they'll tell you the safest possible option because they don't want you hurting their product, you know, and obviously not hurting yourself in, in you know, during doing the same thing. But, you know, their product is, is the primary concern. They don't want anything to go wrong with that. And that's not a necessarily a bad thing that they're thinking that way. They're still thinking about you. They're not thinking of you as a product, but you have to think of it from that perspective. Like that's why the surgeon is saying what they're saying. So ask more questions, you know, and, and, investigate that a little bit more and get specifics. What can I do? What can I do? Or what they don't want you to do. And if it still sounds a little crazy in your head, then be like, okay, I'm going to get another opinion on this. Yeah. And, and I, I kind of told her too, I was like, you know, I don't want you to think of this like as you being a trainer. Don't forget that you have this nursing background yeah, and you're, yeah. an, you're a nurse in an emergency department. You deal with this stuff all the time. Like put on your nursing hat and say, this isn't right. Like you can do that. That's within your scope of practice. Just because you're training somebody doesn't mean that you can't be a nurse. Like that's like us. We can't be a PT when we're training. That makes no sense. Like why can't you have the best of both worlds? So I said, you know, if it doesn't seem right, which it's not, then you need to say something. That's your, that's your, you know, that's your responsibility as a healthcare provider. You know what I mean? And she knew, she knows that she's just not trying to step on anybody's toes, but I'm done not stepping on anybody's toes. It's time. <laughs> we, it's just time to start stepping, you know? And also, if a, if a doctor or a surgeon says no PT for the first six weeks, that doesn't mean you can't go to PT. That that PT should know what they should and shouldn't do in that situation. Um, they've, they've seen it before, and, and hopefully they've um, they've worked, you know, very effectively with, with those types of, of post-op patients in the past. So... The PT should be well aware of, of what what they should and shouldn't be doing. So you can absolutely go to PT even if your surgeon said to wait six weeks. That is totally fine. And hopefully your PT will say, okay, yeah, we're going to do this, this, and this, you know, but during this time. And go but don't there. you think that like most people, the average person is really, they're going to listen to their doctor before yeah, that's having, the yeah. you know, their own I don't want to say them a mind of their own. I mean, I feel like that's kind of rude, but to think for themselves and, you know, to get to that point where they do go to a PT and, you know, have faith that that PT is going to have them do what's okay to do. And, you know, not, I, I don't know. I just think it's, it's hard because, you know, we, we're in a society where, you know, the doctor is up on a pedestal for sure. And, you know, everybody listens to everything that they say and, um, yeah, we're not saying that the doctors are wrong, but 
we also know that words are misconstrued. So when the doctor says, I want you to go easy, who knows what the doctor said? He could have said, hey, take it easy. I don't want you doing too much movement or I don't want you on the leg. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean you can't move. It just means you can't be on the leg. So I think that, you know, there just needs to be better communication from the Ask medical more model. Questions. Ask more Ask questions. More questions as a patient. multiple sources too. Yeah. I mean, what do you do when you look something up on the internet? You know, usually you'll, you'll look at one, you'll click on one link, read it, and be, click on the next one. It'll be like, oh, these are opposite. Now I have to look at more, right? Same idea with something like this. It's like, ask around. Who's, is, has, do, has someone been through this that I know? Um, can I, do I know a physical therapist already that I can reach out to? Do I have someone in the family I can ask that's been through this? So ask, you know, multiple people questions, gather all the data for yourself, and then you can, you know, start to make, make decisions. Just taking the first answer, especially nowadays, probably isn't, isn't the, the yeah, best. I think people are getting to be better consumers of their own health. I think because of, of all the resources that are available now with, you know, the World Wide Web and smartphones and stuff. Uh, it's a blessing I, and a curse. Yeah, yeah totally, totally a blessing That's and a curse. That's a whole other talk. Totally. But uh, I, I don't think, I think in that respect, it can be helpful if they need to gain a little bit more, you know, knowledge as to what's next in their plan of care. You know, will it always be right? Maybe not, but they get a direction, you know, at least. So it's better than being bed rest. So that's vicious. Did you want to add anything new, Nick? No, I'll save my other story for next time. All right. I know yeah. you're, you get a little gung ho on stories, so I just wanted to make yeah, sure. Yeah, I wasn't no, I'll save. I'll save this one for next time. All right. That way, that you, way want, you want to get the moral story. You're gonna take that away. No, from you got to do. This is your thing. Man. I don't want to take this. this is my from jam. You. This is your thing. All right, everybody. Moral of the story: We obviously have a long ways to go with progressing the field of physical therapy and other fields in the medical profession. We do understand the healthcare system will never be perfect, but it seems that we hear stories like this all too often. The best thing we can do is just bring awareness like we talked about, um, and that is the intention of the podcast. So listen, if you're a healthcare provider and you're listening to this, we just ask that you don't be reckless with other people's health, and for all of those patients that are listening, you shouldn't put up with people that are reckless with yours. Now, I'm going to throw a little little ending here. Ooh. That was how I would normally drop it. I might drop it right after that, but I can't. I got I to gotta hit this since you, you mentioned something pretty important, which I think we should make a podcast on, so I'm going to leave it with this. Butt wink is actually a normal physiological movement. Uh, I brought the butt wink into it. Look the squat in the eye. Just give it a butt wink. Thank you for joining us in the rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at proformptma.com or on social media at proformptma. And remember, if you train inside the rack, you better be thinking outside the rack.